And three, two, one, let's get it. This is the Back Row Bengals Sports Podcast. I am your host, Josh Miller. This is brought to you by fansided.com. Thank you so much for listening in. And if you're listening on podcast, did you hear something before this? Yes, that's right. We finally have ads. So we're starting to get more ad revenue coming in. So that's great for the show. But I, the reason I wanted to say that is because it's all because of you guys, those listening in, those tuning in, those, you know, watching and supporting the podcast. So I just want to say thank you all so much. It means so much to me uh, for all of my podcast, you know, uh, career and, and continuing forward. And, and it be, means so much to me. Uh, so I just want to start out on a brighter note. And uh, because there's not much more bright we're going to get in this podcast, we're going to get a lot, lot darker. Bengals lose 41 to 16 at home to the dreaded Cleveland Browns. Uh, the dogs were definitely barking in Paul Brown Stadium, and I got plenty of them right in my face. Uh, I got to say, that has got to be the most annoying chant in all of, you know, all of sports, honestly. I think it's because more or less I'm a Bengals fan. So when I hear like barking, it's, it's, maddening to hear a grown man bark in my face and maybe for the Browns fans it's the who day chance so I get it but I think personally across all all realms of sports the Browns chant has got to be the worst the barking is the worst and we heard way too much of it it's 41 to 16 really I gotta say both sides of the ball for the Bengals were terrible both sides offense and defense uh offensively I mean yeah, Joe Burrow had himself Probably one of one of, if not the worst game of his career, had two interceptions. Really had no control of the offense, uh, and a lot of it had to do with you know he was getting rushed out of the pocket a good amount. His receivers weren't catching balls. He was getting frustrated, and it all as all, you know, the the whole tone of the game was set on the first interception on the first drive. If you guys remember back to the very first drive of the game, the Bengals were dominant in that drive. They were driving right down the field. The play design was pretty creative. You saw Flea Flicker, which was really cool. Um, you saw, you know, receivers making plays. You saw Joe Mixon, you know, finding, you know, finding the hole. Um, and then a, a throw that is incredibly dangerous. It's that two yard out from the five yard line. And Denzel Ward, I mean, I mean, hats off to him and hats off to the Browns. They played a great game and uh, they had a great scheme uh, against the Bengals. And basically that scheme is basically a blueprint that the New York Jets used to beat us. And they basically pulled it out and did the same thing, which was gash us up the middle on defense and, you know, play tight on, play tight on offense and, you know, force the receivers to make really hard contested plays and hard contested catches is what I meant to say. And I got to say that that throw uh, to, I believe it was Jamar Chase. Yes, it was. It was Jamar Chase uh, was not put right on the money where it needed to be. Denzel Ward made a play, and he took it 98 yards to the house. Uh, one thing, Joe Burrow on that interception. Number one, out of all of that, out of all of that, Joe, you cannot be tackling. You can't be tackling when you throw the interception. Get off of the field. Nobody needs you tackling out there. If you give up a touchdown, you give up a touchdown. You're more, you're much more important to this franchise than just seven points. And I get it. He's got that competitive edge. It's what I love about him. But you can't have him t- making tackles on interceptions. Uh, that's just one small piece to it that I wanted to say. But other than that, the Bengals did answer back with a touchdown on their own, but the Browns got it back, and, I mean, they just they just kept their you know foot on the gas. And the Bengals offensively and defensively just didn't have an answer. Had zero answer for what the Browns had for them, which is really, really disappointing. 
especially coming off of a five and two start. Uh, I mean, five and two, the five and two start was great. The win came against Baltimore. Uh, that that forty point uh, performance that the offense had, just to watch them go out and do sixteen again in their on their home field against a wavering Browns team that was four and four. You could have really put the Browns away right then and there. You could have three, you know, you could have three wins in the division. But I digress. We don't. Uh, one thing, another thing about Joe is, is you you could tell in this game he was trying to force the ball a lot more than he usually does, especially to, on balls to Jamar Chase. A lot of those were tight window throws, and a lot of those, you know, the, the window wasn't even there, and he's trying to force it, force it, force it. I understand that, you know, Jamar, Jamar Chase is, is probably going to be a generational talent. I mean, he already is the front runner for Rookie of the Year, I would say. If he keeps going at the rate he is, he's going to be Rookie of the Year. But you can't do that in the NFL. You can't keep forcing it back to one guy, especially when you have a receiving core like we do. Um, however, the receiving core played terrible. T. Higgins had himself multiple drops, uh, one of them being in the end zone for, you know, game-changing. Those are game-changing drops. And I get it. He's young. This is only his second year. But, I mean, there's a reason we drafted him. There's a reason we drafted T. Higgins. It's to make those hard contested jump balls. And you could tell that on those hard contested jump balls, he should have caught that. It may may have been a 50-50 ball, but mostly it was like a 60-40 ball or a 70-30 ball in T. Higgins' favor. Plenty of times he had two hands on the ball. Got to come down with it somehow. The receiving core had a really terrible game. Tyler Boyd, two targets basically non-existent. I feel like this is becoming a theme in this Bengals offense is that Tyler Boyd has really found himself out of, you know, the targets it, you've seen, you're seeing his targets get less and less. I mean, if, if, if you were just casually watching the game, you wouldn't even think he was playing. Like you would completely forget about him. And I don't. And so when you look at a receiver, not getting targeted enough, it could be one, of, one of two options. It could be one, Joe's not throwing to him. Or two, he's not getting open. And usually when there's two explanations for one problem, it's probably a mix of the two. And I do think it's a mix of the two. I do think Tyler Boyd's not getting open. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go with Joe here that Joe's going to try to find him. Uh, but he can't. And he's not. Tyler Boyd's not getting open enough. He's not doing enough for this offense. And the problem is, is that Tyler Boyd is not some you know, schmuck we picked off, picked up off the street. Tyler Boyd has shown that he can make incredible game-changing plays. He can be a factor in the game. He's, he, I mean, last year, the year before that, and the year before that, he's Mr. Third Down. We need him there. And he's got to be able to get that separation. Now, a lot of that does go a little bit to play design. Not play calling, play design. He's got, we got to find a way to get him singled up, get him on a linebacker, something. Because this all this receiving court is way too good to not be putting up, you know, twenty to not be averaging at least you know twenty five points a game because they should be, and scoring sixteen points is not going to be good enough, especially not on this offense. Uh, offensive line, I would say, wasn't horrendous. It wasn't good. Uh, I would say Akima Denji starting a hundred percent of the snaps at right guard when. You know, we basically thought he was probably going to be out for the year. That's really tough to just kind of plug him in there. I do agree that we shouldn't be rushing Jackson Carmen out there, especially with a back issue. Uh, As you guys remember, Jackson Carmen went out against the Jets 
with a back uh, issue, and he was day to day. And then last week during the uh, uh, during practice, he Jack Taylor said he was good to go. He didn't play obviously on on Sunday, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. If he doesn't play, we we should not be rushing him out there. Jackson Carmen is going to be somebody that this organization is going to probably build this offensive line around him. He's going to kind of fit in with Jonah Williams over there on the left side. And, and they're going to be around for a while. They're going to be some core guys. So we can't be rushing them out there, especially if it's a back problem. Back problem, I mean, for any offensive lineman or for any lineman or for any, you know, NFL player, it's big. It's huge. Can't be rushing them back out there. So the offensive line wasn't bad. It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't horrendous, but it wasn't good. It's about average. And then, again, so I want, I want to look at Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon had an okay game on the ground. He wasn't lights out. He wasn't a game changer, clearly. And he wasn't, you know, a deciding factor. And you know what? And Joe, the thing is, again, if Joe was just a consistent back and he was just, that was what he was. He was consistent. I wouldn't be having this big of a, you know, big of a gripe with it. And I wouldn't be so hard on him that he's not having these you know, over 100-yard games consistently. He was, you know, just a regular back in the NFL, but he's not. This is a guy that, you know, has put up Pro Bowl-style numbers. We've seen him be really, really good. We've seen him take the next level. So why is he not growing with the offense? We need to see more from him. We need to see basically more from the entire offense. Uh, I would say that this is the one game that play calling wasn't really that big of a problem. It was all execution. And it was all play. It was all on the all on the field. I mean, Ma, I mean, Jonah Williams did a pretty good job against Miles Garrett, but he, I mean, he still got through. And I, I got to, I mean, they the at the end of the day, the Browns defense just outplayed the, the Bengals offense. It looked really bad. And you know when when we're passing the ball as much as we are, you can't be dropping the balls that you were drafted to catch. Jamar Chase was drafted to catch that downfield ball that the Bengals had late in the game that could have flipped the entire script. It was about a, what, a 20-yard pass in the fourth quarter. The game was really getting close to out of, you know, out of reach. But that one play could have changed all of that. And then just like that, and the momentum's a hell of a thing, especially in the NFL. That could have changed the entire game. Drop that one. T. Higgins was dropping touchdown passes. Jamar Chase dropped a touchdown pass, hit him right in the hands. And and, and that's 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 a real big issue. And, and and you can't you can't be doing that on this offense. You can't be dropping balls that you were drafted to catch. I understand that you know you're going to drop a ball every once in a while. And these guys, these cats are young, man. I mean, T. Higgins is in his second year. Jamar Chase is a rookie. Even though I mean. He, from that five and two stretch, he was looking like an all pro Jerry Rice name it now. But he lost a little bit of the edge on Sunday. And then I want to look over at T. Higgins. T. Higgins, man, I look, he's not the he's not Jamar Chase. He's not gonna, you know, beat you heavily over the top. But what he is gonna do, he's gonna come down with those contested balls. He's gonna be stronger than the cornerback. Did not show that on Sunday. Was not enough on Sunday. I'm sorry if my voice is still a little 
gone. I'm trying. If you heard me yesterday on Strawberry Ice uh, with him and Cap, my voice was really, really gone. Uh, it, it's kind of coming back. It's getting there. Uh, hopefully by tomorrow or Thursday, I should be good to go. Um, and so, but can't be dropping them like that. And then, you know, Jamar Chase had a really bad fumble in a really bad spot on the field. And, and the turnovers killed us where Joe Burrow had two interceptions. And those interceptions came off of him trying to force the ball. So let's talk about the interceptions here for a little bit. Joe Burrow is currently tied with the NFL highest with Zach Wilson with 11 interceptions. Now, Joe Burrow, a lot of those interceptions are coming from him trying to make plays and trying to take chances and throwing risky balls. Get that. That is, a, that is what I want my quarterback to do, is to take risk and take chances. And a lot of that has resulted in some really magical plays over this year. I can remember the end to the first half against uh, Green Bay, where he just chucked it up down the field. And I mean, and let's be honest, the corner for Green Bay was a split second away from picking that ball off, but it fit right in the window. Uh, and, you can, and you can go down the line. However, now... You can't just do that because now Joe Burrow is getting a little bit more telegraphed. The NFL is finding out a little bit more about him. That's okay. It's what was going to happen. It is what it is. But now you have to adjust to that. You can't be taking some reckless chances, especially with the way that the defense performed. And if that's going to be the status quo for this defense for the rest of the year, you can't be throwing that recklessly. And you can't be throwing that recklessly when – you're about to score or in big momentum plays or when you're backed up behind your own 20. You can't be putting the defense into a bad spot. And, you know, I got to say that was a phenomenal segue. I mean, I'm just going to give myself a high five on that one. So let's go ahead and, and jump over to the defensive side of the ball. I got to tell you, they couldn't stop a nosebleed at the running defense, which is something that I thought, not even, not even that I thought, like this is, this was a fact. This, this Bengals running defense was probably the best part about their team over the past seven to eight weeks. They were able to stop up Dalvin Cook. They were able to stop up Aaron Jones, barring a 60-yard a run at the end of, and I believe it was, yeah, in overtime. It was in overtime. Uh, but barring that, they were able to stop him for under 100. And, and I was thinking, okay, we can do that against Dalvin Cook. We can do that against Aaron Jones. We can do that against Nick Chubb. Obviously, I was wrong. The defensive scheme that we saw was incredibly interesting. You could see a lot of, I mean, they just opened. I mean, the line opened like the freaking Red Sea. It really did. And again, hats off to the Browns and the Browns offensive line for having a great day because they really did. Nick Chubb was was a, a beast. I mean, he is what he is. Nick Chubb's a beast. And we're going to be facing him for quite a while, especially for the, I mean, we're definitely for the rest of the year. We got him one more time in Cleveland. You can't be so backed up, and the defensive scheme can't be, you know, we're going to come up and make plays. Like, we're going to have the linebackers come up and make an open field tackle on Nick Chubb when they can't tackle. And we saw that last week against the Jets. We saw a problem with tackling, especially on first contact. you got to be able to bring these guys down. You can't give them a second chance at making a play. And that's exactly what the Bengals did. When you don't tackle them immediately and you don't tackle them right away, you 
don't have the ability to come up or you, you and you don't have the ability to come up and make a play, make an open field tackle, then guess what? We're not going to be able to stop anybody. And they're going to just keep getting these second chances, second chances, second chances. And when you get these second chances and the yards after the first contact and the yards after the first tackle, whatever it was, you're not going to be able to win. You're not going to be able to win. And let's, so let's take a look at this defense here. Let's take a look at something expectation wise. And and this is something that has been so huge, um, especially with this Bengals team this year. And I got to say, I mean, a lot of it with the Bearcats this year. Let's talk about expectation. Going into the year, we did not think that this Bengals team or this Bengals defense was going to be anywhere near top 10. We were thinking if they can keep it in the teens, you know, if they could be a top 15, 16, 17, you know, kind of keep it at that, you know, at a ceiling or, you know, at worst 20th or 21st in the NFL. We can be okay. We're going to be okay because we were going to expect our offense to take off. But then after seven weeks, we started to notice that this Bengals defense is a lot better than what we gave it credit for and what we thought they could be. You know, they they came out and they won us games. You know, I, I, I go back to they won us games against the Vikings, against the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, and if Evan McPherson – makes uh you know at least one of his field goals you gotta go you gotta say the defense was a heavy proponent in that green bay game because i mean they they kept aaron Rodgers and they kept Devontae adams out of the end zone and that was one of the biggest things they red zone wise they they stouted up obviously it was not the case on sunday and it was not the case against the jets to uh last week so you have to we have to regress back to the main so after seven weeks this the expectations were through the roof because obviously the Bengals defense was playing at a top 10 level down. And I was singing the praises of Lou Anarumo and his, and his scheming and how well they've been doing. Now, obviously now they've regressed back to the mean. We need to look at the expectations again. Is this defense as, as good as we thought they were going to be? Not particularly. They really weren't. And, you know, and the deficiencies, you can see it all over the field. Eli Apple is just not a starting corner in the NFL. He's just not. And I, I, I thought uh, Gray, uh, Haygraves was going to get snaps. And you didn't really see him that much on the field. He really didn't make that much of a playmaking ability. And then on top of that, where is the best safety in the NFL? Where's Jesse Bates? He's had one interception this year. And that was against the Jets. Where is he at? This defense has not been able to create the turnovers that we've needed to win ball games, such as against the Jets, against the Browns, something that we need to flip the script. Jesse Bates is not playing at the best in the NFL level talent. I mean, he's he's out there and, he, and you don't really hear his name and as a corner or as a safety, that's good. But he's not playmaking anything. I wouldn't say uh, Tony Pike made it a, or uh, I'm sorry, Mo Egger made a great comment today when I was listening to him uh, from the Tony Mo football show, which uh, James Rapine was in for on Monday. He said, we don't really have a Jamar Chase on defense. And that kind of stuck with me because Jesse Pace was supposed to be that. He was supposed to be that elite level talent, that playmaker, that one 
player that can change a game by just himself. We don't really have that now. We haven't really seen it. I mean, Trey Anderson has been has been really good for us, but I mean, he's not a, he's not a Jamar Chase of the defense. He's really not. Uh, DJ Reed has been really good. Same thing. We got a good defense. We got good players. We have elite players, but we have not been playing like elite players. Jesse Bates has not been playing like an elite player. He's not been playing like a guy that deserves elite level, uh, elite level money, which is what he's been asking for, and he hasn't been playing like it. And you know what? Honestly, if you look at it, it's it's kind it kind of it definitely hurts to say it. It really does. It hurts to say it, but. It's Jesse Pates is kind of proving the front office right with not signing him immediately. Stock is kind of decreased. Now, I want everything in the world for the front office to be wrong that we haven't signed him, and I want Jesse Pates to show up, but he hasn't. He hasn't been playing to that level that we need him to be. Got an inch of my nose here. We'll put the uh, ad break in there. Uh, Twenty-one minutes. So anyway, um, but. I mean, overall, the defense just, they just played terrible, and, and they were gashed all day. Just, just couldn't couldn't tackle. And then I want to go to you know somebody that I that I I again I still think that this Bengals defense can be really good, and I still think a lot of the players on there can be really good and elite. One of those guys is Logan Wilson. I had high hopes for him going into this year. I still do. This dude is still a really really good NFL linebacker. He's got a lot of room for growth. It's only his second year. A lot of these guys, it's they're really new. They're very, very new. And but that being said, Logan Wilson couldn't tackle a tree. I don't know if that makes any sense, but a tree doesn't move, and he couldn't even ta- he he couldn't tackle anything. He couldn't tackle a tackling dummy on Sunday. There we go. That's better. Tackling dummy on Sunday. That's that's much better. Um, this is what happens when you go live, but that's okay. Um, but anyway, you take, you take a look at that. You take a look at everything that the Bengals showed on Sunday, which is not nothing short of, of abysmal. You still have to have hope. I understand as a Bengals fan that this was one of the more embarrassing losses that you could have had. However, you have to remember this isn't college. We're not playing for style points. A 41 to 16 loss is the same thing as a 20 to 21 loss. It's just a loss. It's the same thing away with a win. And that's why the NFL is so full of parody. Think about this. Think about this. If you think we had it bad, did you see the Bills Jacksonville game? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer led Jacksonville Jaguars. Beat the supposed Super Bowl contending Bills nine to six. Nine to six. People were saying Josh Allen should already be in the Hall of Fame. I got to tell you what, Josh Allen didn't look like a Hall of Fame quarterback when his own when his offense is only putting up nine freaking or six freaking points to Jacksonville. Now, to be fair, that does make our Thursday night win look a lot better. But I digress. You gotta have hope for this team. 
you got to keep your belief in them. Think about this. Over the past seven weeks, so let's erase. Let's just erase this Browns loss. Let's erase the Jets loss. So let's look at that 5-2 and two record. Let's look at their two losses. The, one of their losses was in, a, basically, I would like to call it the meme game of the year, because it was a meme. It really was. Uh, when they played the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers are a great team. They're a great team. And the Bengals have plenty of opportunity to win. Then you look at their other loss, which is the Chicago Bears. It was away. Nothing was going for, you know, for them at that time. But they still had a chance to win at the end of the game. They were still in it. And that Bears team should have beat Pittsburgh last night on Monday Night Football, barring an absolutely abysmal showing by the NFL officiating crew. I mean, my God. I don't understand this taunting rule, and I don't think anybody else does. And I got to tell you, I don't. Everyone wants to blame the refs for it, and, I, and trust me, valid, and they should be. Where is the NFL PA? Where is the Players Association saying, this is ridiculous? This is costing teams wins. This is costing players' reputations. Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. It's ridiculous. But anyway. I digress. So, anyway, that five and two, you have wins over Baltimore at Baltimore. You got a win over Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. You've exercised the demon of prime time. You probably did that last year when we beat Pittsburgh, but you did it again this year against the Jaguars, who just beat the Buffalo Bills. Let's say that again: the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills. It's a week-to-week league. Anybody can beat anybody. And you know what? I don't know who the I don't have the Browns schedule in front of me, but I gotta say, whoever they're playing, I'm gonna bet the other team. I think the Browns are coming. I mean, it's it's like an, it's an emotional loss. The same way when the Bengals just beat the Ravens by, you know, however many points. I believe the final score was 41-17. Then they lose to the Jets in a game where I, we had the we had the. 11-point lead with seven minutes left. There's parity. There's parity. And there's a lot of people online, a lot of Bengals fans online, saying that this season is done. This season, that the Bengals aren't that good, and and this is what we thought, and and all that just bullcrap. This is two weeks in the NFL. They just had seven weeks of great football. And now we're going to judge them off the past two weeks. That's not fair. It's not fair. I'm not going to judge this Bengals team off the past two weeks. Yeah, they played horrible. But think about this. I'm going to play optimistic Bengals fan. And that's what I am. Because as a Cincinnati fan, there's just no point to be as negative as we are. Anyway. Five and four, you're heading into the bye. You're two and one in the AFC North. You may be in last place. You're two and one. You're the only team in the AFC North that can control their own destiny right now. Cleveland has a loss to Pittsburgh. The Ravens lost to the Bengals. If you just keep 
pounding out wins in the AFC North. You got Pittsburgh coming at home. You got Baltimore coming at home. Both teams, the Bengals handled. And then you get a revenge game in Cleveland. You can go 7-1. and 7-1, and you take the AFC North crown, we're heading to the playoffs. I got to tell you, if we end up 7-1 and in the AFC North, we're heading to the playoffs. Without, I mean, without a doubt, and we're definitely hosting a playoff game. Seven teams are making the playoffs. Now think about that. So you got to think about it in retrospect. You can't just take anecdotal evidence. You got to take empirical, especially when it comes to the NFL. Then on top of that, let's talk about expectations from the beginning of the year, then at the 5-2 and two record after they beat Baltimore, and then now. At the beginning of the year, I said that this Bengals team could reach the playoffs and go 10-7. and seven. The majority thought that the Bengals could go 7-10. and 10. Progress. And we would say, that's pretty good. And we'd say, that's enough to keep this coaching staff around and to keep building around. Is 7-10. and 10. Now that, so now, that was before the year. Now let's fast forward to five and two. Five and two, the expectation was, okay, this defense is playing at a top 10 level town, you know, top 10 level ability. This offense with Jamar Chase, who's won rookie of the year four times, might I add, is, is going to pick up. We haven't even seen him play a full game. We still haven't. I mean, I guess, I guess you could say Baltimore is probably the closest, but I would say I haven't seen a full game. This team still has room to grow. And you're heading into one of the biggest, most important parts of the season is the bye week. These players have a chance to get some rest. And that's exactly what it looked like they needed. They need to rest up for this back half of the schedule. And this back half of the schedule has a lot of winnable games. And six out of the eight games that you play are going to be at home. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, who are very suspect. Very suspect coming to Paul Brown Stadium. You have the Chargers who are inconsistent coming to Paul Brown Stadium. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers who you handled who struggle against bad teams. They just find a way to sneak out wins. I mean, it's just Tomlin for you. Excuse me. But, and then on top of that, you got a Baltimore team coming back that again, has squeaked out wins against bad teams. I go back to Kansas City. I go back to when they played Indianapolis and they were down. And then I go back to the 41-17 ass whooping that the Bengals delivered to them. We're fine. We are fine. Everything is in position for the Bengals. Everything is right in front of us. There is no reason to panic. Now, I will say this. These past two weeks have shown me that we should have probably grabbed an edge rusher at the deadline. I wasn't exactly a big fan of not doing anything at the deadline. And I understand the Bengals don't grab at the deadline. I understand that completely. Get it. However, this Bengals team, or this Bengals front office, has shown that they're willing to change and that they have changed going after free agency. Taking chances in the draft. Chance was Jamar Chase. And look, it worked out. Nailing drafts. 
two in a, two years in a row, they've had really good drafts. I thought this year they would be the change. But it wasn't. And now we're seeing it. Because the pass rush still isn't there. Really could have used an edge rusher. That being said, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, and probably every single Bengals fan, you have the chance to go 5-4. and four. You are... Two of those wins are going to be against Baltimore at Baltimore, against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. You're going to be 2-1 in the division, and that's you heading into the bye. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. Sign me up. I'm there. This Bengals team, and you can see it, the connection in the locker room is good enough to keep this team hanging around. Keep this team in constant contention. It says we're 10th in the AFC, but I got to tell you, there's not a single AFC team that I can point to and be like, yep, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Or, yep, they're going to make it to the AFC championship game. Not a single one. Uh, Who's even the closest? I, I mean, I guess you could say... Sorry, controller fell. Uh, I, I mean, I guess you could say Baltimore, maybe, maybe. They're still very suspect, and you know Lamar's playing the best game of his, you know, the best ball of his life. But he's playing the best ball of his life. But how long is that going to last? Because he's basically carrying the entire team by himself. Who knows how long that's going to last? Buffalo Bills. Already said it. Don't even need to say it again. So let's slow down. This loss sucked. It really sucked, especially heading into the bye. But the beauty of the NFL, the beauty of this season, we got eight more games. Six of them are going to be at home. Everything is right there for the Bengals to take. They can do it. They can. I mean, imagine if if they go five and three at the back of the year, that's 10 and seven. That is definitely good enough to make the playoffs especially this year. It's going to be good enough. And hell, I mean, you know, probably, you know, nine and eight is probably going to be good enough as well. The AFC North might actually have four playoff teams going, which is incredible. It'd be incredibly hard, but it, it, it could happen. You just got to look at expectation. And that's it. And then also, you just got to be optimistic. Be optimistic. There's nothing else you can do. Don't give up on this team. They haven't given up on themselves. Don't give up on them. Everything's right there. And we're going to take it. And I believe that this team is going to band together. They're going to figure out exactly what they need to do to move forward and to be successful and to find a way to sneak into the playoffs and win some ball games. So that, we are running at about 35 minutes now. That was a great show. I really appreciate anybody that's been watching or if you're listening later. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. A couple of notes and some house cleaning items that we need to go over. Tomorrow is going to be a really big day for the Back Row Bengals show. So at noon tomorrow, we are going to have special guest Mo Egger on. Mo has been basically with me my entire podcasting career ever since I've been you know, a 
probably a, a freshman, sophomore at the University of Cincinnati, all the way up to right now. And um, he's going to give us our, his honest opinion. We're going to talk a lot of Bengals, maybe a little bit of Bearcats. We have to slip it in, obviously. And uh, we'll talk about that. And then also, I, I want to mention the Bearcats because I know I got a lot of Bearcats fans that follow me, and uh, because I post a lot of Bearcat stuff. Again, let's look at some expectation here. I saw, I mean, again, the game against Tulsa this week was lackluster. It was. How did they sneak it out then? Defense had a ridiculous goal line stand, which is like their sixth or seventh of the game. Ridiculous goal line stand. Won the game. You have to understand how hard winning is in football. To give you an idea, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats are only one of four of 126 teams left undefeated. It's them, Oklahoma, the Roadrunners of UTSA and Georgia. Don't sleep on the Roadrunners. Meet me. They're one of four. And it's even harder to win in the NFL. It's hard to win. So enjoy it. Enjoy the wins. Enjoy the ride. Sometimes you're going to win it ugly. And by the way, College game day, what a scene. What a scene. I mean, absolutely incredible. You just showed, the entire city of Cincinnati showed that when you put a winning product on the field, we will come and show out and give all, all of our appreciation. I was there at college game day. I left the Clifton house I was staying. I was staying with a buddy. Stayed on there Friday. So we woke up at like 4 on Saturday. Left the house at like 4.30. To get there at 5. To get in line. The line was backed out all the way from McMicken, or uh, from McMicken, the common area where game day was held, all the way back past TUC, past all the way down that winding path all the way back to Nippert. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely insane. There had to be over a thousand people in line just right then and there. Now, we made the executive decision to stand right behind the pit, which was a great idea because we were front row center, got on you know TV a couple of times. You saw your boy out there. I was looking pretty. Uh, had no voice whatsoever. But just it, it was just constantly yelling, and we were constantly chanting and just giving so much you know, love and appreciation. It was really incredible. Keep that same love and energy even when your teams aren't doing as well. And you want to talk about love and energy and, and keeping up with the team? The team, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats are 9-0. and 9-0. and They're thickly into the college football playoff uh, you know, ranking. Or uh, they're in the hunt. They're going to be in the hunt. Michigan State already lost. More chaos is going to continue to happen. Just win. And enjoy the win. And be happy that we're winning. Be happy that you're winning. Because we all have been around a lot of losing football. It's time to enjoy it. It's time to enjoy the winning. It's time to enjoy being good in the playoff hunt. Because, okay, here, we need this team to lose. Or we need this team to lose. Fun. It's awesome. It's great. Because if you keep picking apart wins, you're going to strip away the joy that you would have. 
that you will have winning. So that's my final thoughts on it. So tomorrow, we have a really packed show uh, day tomorrow. We have Mo Ager at noon tomorrow. We got a noon kickoff with Mo. And then at 7 o'clock, we're going to do the special edition, the uh, CFP show with me and my brother, Brian. We're going to talk about the new rankings that are going to come out in about 20 minutes. We're going to talk about what that means for the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. Should be fun. A new article is going to be coming out from me onto uh, Stripe Hype, which is really cool. I forgot to mention, I'm going to be writing for Stripe Hype uh, from now. Just got this position not too long ago. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and I'm going to bring a lot of optimism, and, and hopefully hopefully you guys like reading what I, what I write down. So should be fun. Thank you all so much for listening. I will see you all tomorrow. Please tune in. Let's have a really good showing like we did for College Game Day. Hold the, hold the optimism. Hold the positivity. Let's have a great show tomorrow, and I'll see you guys later. All right. See ya. Hootay. Peace.